0: Hello and welcome to Error 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from reformed perspectives and genuinely nerdy things. There's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be talking about the dangers of the elitism that occurs within the reform community and what happens when all we care about is theology and not God or people. And then we're also going to be discussing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege and just the, the way the game has evolved over the years, the, the things that have been done really well with that game and why it's a good model for other multiplayer games and even a good model for a loot box style system. Like it's, it's loot crates done well. And So we're going to get into all that today, but before we do, let's go ahead and jump into our weeks. So Mark, how's your week been?
1: Uh, My week's been good. It's uh, been a busy week. I had um, just a lot going, like work was really crazy. We had some major, um, getting into all the nerdy tech stuff, we had some major group policy issues happen. And they still haven't pinpointed it, but on, I think, Thursday morning... I came in and found out that, like, almost 25% of our, um, like, everyone who is on our network, employees and things, couldn't log into their computers. So we had a lot to deal with there. Um, It was just kind of a crazy, hectic day.
0: That sounds like a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, it was something else. It randomly started fixing itself on some people's computers. Like, everyone was pretty stumped as to what was happening. Hmm. Um, Yeah, it's Weird moments, but made the days go by fast and uh, kept the week eventful. So it was, it wasn't bad. Um, and then I spent all weekend watching the uh, Rainbow Six or the the Six Invitational for Rainbow Six Siege. Which yeah,
0: is it's really almost good. like that's what spurred on this podcast topic.
1: Yeah, who who knew? <laughs> so they did all their big reveals for uh, for the new season coming out, and there was the big tournament with all the. Pro League teams. It was I watched pretty much all of it, so it was pretty awesome. It was a good week. Awesome. How was
0: yours? It was it was good. Last week of of vacation before work kicks in. I'm starting on Tuesday, so that's exciting. I'm I'm ready. I, I've had enough leisure time. I'm ready to be feeling like I'm productive again. Um, like I always enjoy time off, but I also enjoy working. Like I don't always enjoy work necessarily, but I would I would rather be working here have something to occupy my time and, and make me a you know a good functional member of society. So I'm excited to get back into that. Excited to learn new things. Like this first week I'm pretty sure is just training. And so that'll be that'll be good. Taught for the last Wednesday night at least in a while. So that was kinda of bittersweet. Um it was good to be able to, to be up there with the youth again at least one last time for for the time being. And then Like you, watched a a decent chunk of Siege, played a decent chunk of Siege this weekend. So, it's been good. Um, Yeah, I can't think of anything else too exciting going on right now. So, let's go ahead and get into our recommendations. Uh, Mark, I'll let you go first this time.
1: Recommendations? Um,
0: Unless you forgot about it and need me to go first. Yeah, go ahead and go first. Okay. So, my book recommendation is... Did you already recommend the Bane Trilogy? You did, didn't you?
1: Uh, maybe not. I don't remember.
0: Okay, that's going to be my recommendation for the week, is the Darth Bane Trilogy. I've been reading a lot of Star Wars books lately, and those ones have just been far superior to anything else I've read or listened to. And so I'm going to recommend that you guys read the Darth Bane Trilogy. Um, There is just fantastic writing within them, great stories, and it'll help you understand why, why Mark and now I are such Darth Bane fanboys because it's not so much of fanboys as just recognizing how amazing he actually is. So, I actually tried lobbying with my wife to let us name our daughter Zana if if it's a girl. But that that didn't happen. Oh, how did I forget about that? That's the awesome thing that happened this week. Yeah, Holy there crap. We go. <laughs> um, got to see my baby. It feels like it was like yesterday and a long time ago at the same time. Yeah, anyway. Um, all right. Got to see my baby for the first time moving around. And, holy crap, it was just, like, talk about hitting home being real, like, just seeing seeing the legs kicking and the arms moving, and we got to see the heartbeat and hear the heartbeat, and it's just, it's awesome, man, it's exciting. And so, um, yeah. I'm
1: super super pumped for you, dude.
0: That was definitely the highlight of the week and the year, so it's been really cool. And I'm excited to, to keep going down this journey and slightly terrified to be a father, but... It'll be good, and I know God will will provide. And I will continue to learn along that road. And that's why I'm grateful. It's it's Him, and and, and not resting entirely on my shoulders. Because man, that'd be a terrifying undertaking on my own. So, anyway, book recommendation is the Darth Bane trilogy. Media recommendation: I'm going to go ahead and recommend Rainbow Six Siege. Like fantastic game, and we'll get into that in a little bit here as to why. But it's a game that has aged well, and it's something the devs are constantly working to make better. It's it's just, I don't think there's a multiplayer game I enjoy more than Siege, which may be shocking if you view my Steam profile and see I have over a 1,000 hours in Dota and only about 600 in Siege. But while I do love Dota, I, I like Siege even more. Siege is a better more. game, baby. I, I don't know about that. I still say you can't compare the two because one's a MOBA and one's a shooter. But Siege I enjoy I enjoy far more working with the team in Siege and playing well in Siege. Like, Dota I have plenty of fun in, but Siege I feel like I'm constantly learning and constantly growing in, and so I really enjoy it. So, your turn. I bought you some time.
1: Yeah. So, uh, for my book recommendation, I'm going to go with a Star Wars book as well, actually. Um, And I'm going to recommend the book Tarkin. So, Tarkin was a book I read more recently, and for anyone who maybe isn't as nerdy as Luke and I Tarkin Grand Moff Tarkin Grand Moff Tarkin uh the imperial commander in episode four a new hope uh who is on the death star and works closely with um Darth Vader so he's played by Peter Cushing for anyone who actually knows like actors and things like that um but they there was a book released about him that actually was released like Right after Disney bought Star Wars, and so it is considered um, canon. It's not in the the Star Wars Legends for anyone who that actually matters to. Um, Not me. Disney sucks. Yeah, I don't don't care either. But (laughs) it's it's a phenomenal book and gives a lot of um, a lot more character to someone who was really just kind of there, and you could tell he was intimidating, but there just wasn't. You just knew he was like. A big wig in the Empire, but you didn't know that much about him and you learned... Like, the book gives you a lot about him, and it's really well written. I, I really enjoyed it, and it shows how his and Darth Vader really, Vader's relationship develops, too, which is awesome. pretty cool. Uh, so, I highly recommend that book. Uh, media recommendation. Uh, man, we're going to do a double recommendation on Siege. Like, that's just... This is the Error 204 podcast media recommendation of the week. Is All Windows right, you take
0: Siege, and I'll throw Black Panther out there for mine. Okay, I haven't seen that yet, so, so there you go. I, I think Disney kind of <laughs> righted some of the wrongs that we brought up in the last episode with Black Panther. So
1: Interesting. I'll um, have to go watch it soon. I'm curious
0: to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, and it looks like they may do the same with Infinity War. Like, from cool. the trailer, it looks like that's a very heavy film. But yeah, there was only... I mean, there's still some misplaced humor in this one, but not near as much. So, gotcha. I'll throw. That oh, one out okay. I'll, I'll
1: throw. I'll throw this out. So, okay.
0: Now we're throwing out a thousand recommendations. Apparently.
1: Well, so C is <laughs> just our official dual recommendation. For oh, the okay. Week.
0: Okay. We're not uh, doing that every week.
1: No. My recommendation, though, the Incredibles 2 trailer that aired mm. during the Olympics. <laughs> I didn't see it during the Olympics, but it popped up on YouTube, and obviously, I watched it because it's The Incredibles 2. And that movie looks like it's going to be awesome, and I cannot wait.
0: Okay, you can't recommend a movie you haven't seen. Scratch that from the record. What? <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure it'll be good. Yet.
1: I recommended the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah, watch the trailer for pathetic. the movie that's going to be coming um, out.
0: Anyway, there you go. There are our recommendations for the week. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our topics at hand. I'm going to try to be gracious as We're we handle both this topic. Try to be gracious. I'm I'm going to spend a brief amount here at the start addressing an individual specifically that spurred on Mark and I talking about this, and I I'm going to avoid using names for various reasons, but this individual does know who they are, and I will make sure this podcast is delivered to them so they can hear it. Um, and so again, trying to be to be gracious and at the same time be biblical with with how I address this, and. For the record, my name is Luke Denner. I am the host of Air 204 Podcast. I am not hiding behind any anonymous names, even though I don't think other parties that were accused of such were doing that either. And once you know you can do what you like, you can come after me if you like, and I really don't care because my identity is not in your opinion. It's in my Savior and what He's done for me. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and, and take this brief moment to address this individual. And so you have taken... Slander and basically the tabloid style articles, and made them very popular among some in the reform circles. And you talk about others who sit behind a anonymity or behind a screen and spew, and your words spew vitriol at people. When you do the very same thing and in the past your actions have led to very, very regrettable things occurring and you're aware of this and you know you played part in those and and we can go back to the sovereignty of God, but the sovereignty of God does not negate the responsibility of man. And so you are in part responsible for those regrettable things that have occurred. You said you were going to step down then and now you're back at it spewing venom, bullying and doing all of this in the name of Christ. And it, it fills me with two things. It fills me one with rage that someone in the name of Christ is just being this much of a jerk and going around belittling and berating and condemning brothers in Christ. And it it also breaks my heart to see someone who has honestly a, a pretty solid handle on theology and is so close to the truth and at the same time so far from the gospel. And I know that may sound counterintuitive to be close to the truth and far from the gospel, but there's a huge difference in a cognitive recognition of truth, a cognitive recognition of theology, and a life that has been committed to Christ, and a heart that comes with that, a heart that loves not only theology, but also loves people and loves God. And I understand there are times when that calls for correction. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing this right now. But at the same time, there's also a level of grace and charity that needs to be seasoning our words. And so instead of, instead of spewing venom, instead of sitting behind a keyboard and pretending to be a big man It's time for you to repent and whether that looks like pulling down all of your blogs And and just giving that up or whether it looks like Changing your tune and and maybe seeing some grace come out of those things. I don't know That's not for me to decide but please please hear this heartfelt plea repent believe in the gospel and begin to live as a follower of Christ, and and stop living like a Pharisee. And I I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, so I, I'll end it with that. But Mark, if you have anything to add, feel free. If you don't want to, we can go ahead and, and get into what what we're actually going to be addressing here.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to add other than that I than that I agree with you. So
0: okay. So with that said, there is this elitism, which leads to this type of behavior that I'm, I'm talking about, and, and this individual I've just, I've addressed, that that tends to crop up in reform circles. And in fact, it's what turns a lot of people off to reform theology, is they see people who love theology, and talk about theology, and are constantly biting each other's throats, and biting at the throats of anyone that they disagree with, and they never see any love displayed, and they never see the gospel being shown through these people's lives. And it's it's a it's a huge issue within the Reformed community. And I don't use the word huge lightly. Like, I think this is a very big issue. And we joke about it being cage-stagey, or we joke about, um, oh yeah, you know those people. But it is a real problem, because it gives a bad name to theology, and it gives a bad name to those who are following Christ. And we should desire to have no part in that. And we should desire to gently but lovingly bring correction to those brothers who do. And Mark and I have both been guilty of this. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like we haven't. There have been many times when I've cared more about winning an argument or being theologically correct than I have cared about actually caring for a person. Now, that doesn't mean we get to set theology aside, but we also need to be gracious and loving in the manner in which we're presenting our theology and actually care about a person as what they are, a person created in the image of God. So Mark, I'll go ahead and, and let you hop in here with any thoughts you have as far as things you've seen Then we can get into kind of the, the whys and, and maybe the solutions of it.
1: Yeah. So, um, no, I, I, I agree that it's become a, a very big problem. Probably always, always has been a problem, at least to some extent. Um, I do think that sometimes, that elitism is projected on people when it's not really there. So what I mean by that is, like, there's some people who absolutely can have a very um, prideful and elitist mindset. And like you said, we've both been guilty of that. We have to guard against that. Um, we all do, because as humans, we tend to be prideful. That's part of our fallen nature, is we, we like to find confidence and boast confidence in ourselves. But um, I think some sometimes... For people in Reformed theology, we, I know a lot of people who ascribe to Reformed theology who are very confident in their beliefs, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's good that we hold to what we believe and are very secure in what we believe. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we need to have grace in that and have the humility to understand that uh, that knowledge is not from us, but from God, for one. And two, that that, um, that knowledge could be wrong. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that I think I'm wrong, but I'm saying that I recognize that I am a fallen and sinful human being with an imperfect mind and that I'm not right about everything. Yeah. Uh, And so I think we need to understand that. But I do also think that sometimes the confidence of Reformed theology to people outside of it comes across as pride when it's really not. And so I do think that sometimes there is uh, false accusations of pride or arrogance or haughtiness towards Reformed people. Um, there's a lot of people I know who have been called prideful, haughty, or arrogant, or wh- anything along those lines that aren't. They're just very confident in what they believe, and they believe that um, their understanding of Scripture is true. And so I don't think that you can fault people for that, but I absolutely agree with you that that pride and haughtiness is all too common in um, Because it's almost one of those things where we feel, because most people don't start out with the Reformed theology, very often at least. It's something that a lot of people come to. It's, It's learned as they study the Word of God and move through things. And so I think because of that, sometimes people see it as being on a new level of Christian, right? It's a very pharisaical view and very in a lot of ways workspace view, because we have put in the work to get to this place kind of thing. And so we're better than you because we know more than you is the, is the attitude that a lot of reformed people take. And that's, that's very wrong. Um, like I said, I think we need to, we have to remember that the knowledge that we have is not our own. It comes from outside of us and we cannot claim we, we can't, we don't have any, we shouldn't have pride in it because it's not something that we did. It's something that was given to us through the grace of God. Um, and so I think that we need to understand that and have a proper mindset approaching that, that ultimately the knowledge of, and we've said this before, the knowledge of Reformed theology should bring us to humility because we should, the more, the deeper we get into Reformed theology, the more we should understand how little we know and understand and how, how much comes from God and not ourselves. And that should lead us to humility, not pride. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. We tend to find a way to make it prideful, and we very much have to guard against that. I I think that one thing, um, I'm going to jump into the how do we remedy that or guard against that, uh, or approach it in general. Um, One thing that my pastor has said a lot recently um, is, in talking about things like this, when you get into a lot of things that are maybe secondary issues and um, again, we've talked about how we don't believe Arminians are unreformed people, whatever, wherever they may fall. We don't believe they're not Christians. Like, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're still united in the gospel. Um, and so because of that, it's okay for us to disagree on things. And my pastors continue to bring up uh, Romans 14, where Paul says, you know, be fully convinced in your own mind. So have that conviction purely that, like, Be fully convinced. That's okay to have a conviction or an understanding or a belief.
0: And I think we should. Like we should have thought out our theology so well and and studied scripture so well that we are convinced that ours. We should be fully convinced in our own
1: minds. Absolutely. Proper theology.
0: With with again the caveat that you mentioned earlier that we recognize that we are fallen humans and we probably do have errors somewhere within our theology.
1: Exactly. And so be fully convinced in your own minds. And. Um, be careful to, you know, not, not let that become your, um, your stumbling block. I mean, be careful to always communicate with grace. So be fully convinced in your own mind. That's fine. Understand that the people you're communicating with who may disagree with you are still united with you in the gospel. And it's not worth being divided over ultimately over these small little things, whatever they may be, because we're still united in the gospel and we're still brothers and sisters in Christ and called to love each other and and serve each other and care for each other and grow with each other. And so I think that we really need to, I mean, what it really comes down to is we need to learn, we need to learn to love like Christ did. We've, we've learned, Reformed folk have learned to have good theology. They've learned to study scripture well most of the time but we don't always do good at loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And, and we need to work on that a lot.
0: I, yeah, exactly. And I'd say, um, so getting into some of the root, the root issues which you've already addressed, but I'd, I'd say that's, that's at the root of it is we've learned to love theology and we've not learned to love people. And those two cannot be separated. We, We can't properly love God or love people without good theology. But we can't love God, that is love theology, without loving God and loving people. Because as we as we dive deeper into theology, we see the glory of God manifest. We see the love of God for his creation. And it should spur us on to a similar kind of love. Not that we'll ever achieve the same manner of love that God has, but it should spur us to to attempt that more and more. Um, but a lot of times we, we tend to take theological or doctrinal concepts and, and study those devoid of application or devoid of practice. And part of that, I think, is an issue within a, a, an academic style of learning that we tend to approach it with, where we, we learn information but not necessarily application. But I also think a big part of it is our human nature, and, and we see this with the Pharisees, is that we like to acquire knowledge. We don't like so much to act upon that knowledge and because if if i acquire knowledge i can make myself sound smarter or i can make myself seem like a better christian or fill in the blank but if i act on that knowledge that means i'm going to have to start sacrificing that means i'm going to have to start dying to myself and that's a lot harder to do it's very i don't want to say it's very easy to learn theology but it's it's far easier to learn theology than it is to learn to love people and and so i i think the root issue comes from people who become more concerned with theology than they are concerned with the souls of people. Because in all honesty, the reason that we should be concerned with theology is because we are concerned with having God accurately portrayed so that people will be saved by his gospel and he will be glorified. That that should be the underlying cause for us desiring to learn theology, not just so we can be correct. But I think a lot of times we like to win arguments or we like to be correct and so it, it it's void of love. But that's that's just kind of my, my two cents on the issue. I'm sure there's other underlying issues. And again, like Mark said, there are times this is wrongly put forth, but there are times it's accurately put forth too. And I think the accurate outweighs the wrong most of the time. Um, but you have guys like David Platt, who reformed dude, who you can tell loves people loved people enough to get on the IMB and then loved his church enough to realize I'm not doing anything. Well, I'm doing two things poorly. And so I'm going to go to what God's called me to. And that's serving my church and huge, huge commendation for him with that. And for, for recognizing that he was stretched too thin and for desiring to love and care for his local body in that way. And honestly, it's that, that same type of love because there's a lot of reformed people who are accused of not caring about evangelism because at least in the way we come across, it seems all we care about is theology. And some of that is on the fault of the person observing. And I think some of that is on our fault as well. Because we tend to talk more about theology than we do about evangelism or loving people or caring for people. And I think a lot of times in the Reformed camp, we tend to shy away from phrases like loving people or um, caring about evangelism uh, chiefly—chiefly is probably the wrong word to put Um, there—we shy away from those types of statements because they've been abused and they've been been used to mean, well, just accept everyone for who they are, just accept everything for what it is, and let's not disagree over anything. And that's not what Mark and I mean when we're talking about that. But Scripture has commanded us to love, and Scripture has commanded us to— be proclaiming the gospel to people from all tribes, all tongues, and all nations. And so our theology should be spurring us on to that. Our theology should be spurring us on to a confidence in this great and sovereign God who from before the foundations of the world laid out his gospel plan to send his son into the world to live a perfect life, die a death on our behalf, pay the price for our sins so that he would save his elect from all across the globe and that the manner of the, the manner in which he has chosen to do that is through sending his people, his church, into the world to share his gospel, and so we should have a confidence in the sovereign God who is calling us to go, and we should have a confidence in this in this sovereign God to to motivate us to be sharing the gospel not only with people across the world or not only with people at, at VBS or whatever church event it may be, but with people we're interacting with in everyday life, to be constantly speaking of his glory and his gospel and his righteousness and his wrath and his love and to have that on the tip of our tongue so that we're encouraging brothers and we're exhorting sinners to repentance, that is what this theology should be driving us to. And 90% of the time it doesn't. And I'm, I'm not saying that accusatory. I'm saying 90% of the time in my life it doesn't. And that's a problem, and it, it breaks my heart when that happens. And I pray that more and more, as I, I see God more clearly, it would be driving me to love him and to love others more accurately and in the way that he's called me to do that and i pray that for my brothers and sisters in the reform camp and outside of the reform camp that we would be continuously seeing god clearer, and as we do so we would be sharing his gospel more and more confidently because this is what drove paul to his confidence was he knew who his god was any great saint you look at that's what drives them they knew who their god was they had solid theology but it led to a life of self-sacrifice and love, and it led to a life that looked like Christ, not a life that looked like intellectual elites sitting in a corner discussing Christ over cigars and coffee. And not that there's anything wrong with that, I thoroughly enjoy that, but that cannot be what our life is. That can be a part of something, that can be something we enjoy, but that cannot be our life. And a lot of times, unfortunately, I think it, it is, because that's a lot easier to do. Does that make sense? What, what are your thoughts, Mark?
1: No, absolutely. I, I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say. Cause, uh, yeah, I think you put that really well.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't beat a dead horse. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't want to beat a dead horse either. And so, honestly, the solution is um, training people within the reform camp, training people as they come in, challenging people as they come in. This is awesome. You're learning. You're learning to dive into the riches and the depths of who God is. How is that changing your life? Like I, I think it's seeing those who are older and wiser within the reformed community challenging and and exhorting and encouraging and even sometimes rebuking the younger ones who are coming up and and again, in, in a spirit of love. But I, I think that's part of discipleship that maybe has been failed in some areas. And again, not accusing the reformed community of this as a whole not saying every Reformed person is an elitist, just saying a lot of us tend to at least start out that way and can still get sucked back into it. And so we need to do something. And I think that something is is a drive back to seeing the purpose behind theology and then actually seeing that be affected within people's lives. Which, again, you can ask anyone that knows me, I'm not great at this. But by the grace of God and to the glory of God, I've seen growth in that. And I've seen it within Mark as well, because Mark and I both kind of came into Reformed theology at the same time. I, I saw some of the elitism in him, as I'm sure he saw it in me. And it's been a joy to see God soften his heart and 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 push him to love more and more. And I pray that Mark is seeing the same in me and that those around me are seeing the same. But honestly, I think the solution is a push back to the gospel and a pushback to discipleship. Because if we're not cautious... We end up just like the Pharisees, and I I pray, I pray that would be far from us. So, any closing statements, Mark?
1: Um, nope, not really. Just okay. gonna, Again, sorry. Jump, agree with Luke for sure.
0: Kind of put you on the spot there. No, you're good. <laughs> all not right. Good. So yeah. So just. I'll, I'll, I'll say one last thing. I was going to wrap up there, but I do want to say this one last thing. I would encourage you if you're listening, it's e- easy to either get really on board with what Mark and I are saying and see how other people that you know are like this and not recognize it in yourself, or it's easy to be very dismissive of it and be like, oh, these guys are young, they still don't understand, um, and, and, and kind of push it aside. And I'd encourage you to do neither of those things. Not that Mark and I are these great, wise sages or anything like that by no, any means, we are young, we are still growing, we are still learning. But my, my prayer would be that this is to the benefit of those who listen. And so if you are listening, my prayer would be that you you take this and use it and stop and examine, do I do this? Do I learn things and store them away as knowledge without letting them actually affect my life? Do I know them but not believe them? So there there you go. There's my, my encouragement, and that's to Mark and I as much as it is to anyone else. So, let's go ahead and switch once again from our (laughs) heavier topic (laughs) to our less heavy topic, but still entertaining one, of Rainbow Six Siege. And so, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege is a 5v5 multiplayer shooter, uh, tactical shooter, I should say, where one team is trying to defend an objective or set of objectives, and the other team is trying to complete an objective or set of objectives, and so that ranges from capturing a hostage or protecting a hostage to defusing a bomb or keeping the bomb from being defused. And all of these are point-style objectives. It's not like your Overwatch or anything like that where there's a moving point or a moving objective. They all stay in one general area. There's also a secure area, which nobody plays because it's just 5v5 <laughs> deathmatch. But anyway, so it's, it's a game like that. So there's a lot of depth to the game. There's verticality to levels. There's... Destructible environment, and so there's there's a lot of things that go on. You have operators that all have varying abilities, and from different counter terrorist units, and so it's it's a very well done game, a very enjoyable game with a ton of replayability. Like I've already mentioned, I have close to 600 hours, Mark. I'm not sure where you're sitting at, but I'm sure it's close to that, if not above that now. Uh, and, I don't
1: think I'm above that yet. I'm at 571.
0: Okay, as I was gonna say, I know we were close, and so this is a game that Mark and I were in the. Well, Mark was in the closed alpha, and then we were both in the closed betas, and got it when it dropped, and have been playing it since. And that's it's on its third year now, and they've, they've been, just we've done, been playing
1: this game for over two years.
0: They've done a great job of of just keeping updates coming, of continuing to develop the game, continuing to add new content to the game. And so, I'll go ahead and let Mark address that a little bit and just how they've done well with that.
1: I I mean, they've. They've done a great job at keeping the game fresh, I think is the best way to put it. They're, they're very good at um, making changes so that while you're still playing the same game, it has the same mechanics and different things. There's always new stuff to learn. There's new things to approach. Um, they do that by every, every season. So they do four seasons a year uh, about every three months. And every season they add new operators with special abilities so that changes the way that the rest of the game plays. Um, because they might be a counter to a different operator or support another operator really well. Uh, we've seen some really good examples of that recently. Um, and I think that one of the things I enjoy about it, like is I enjoy very, it it, is very tactical, which I love in a, in a shooter. I like stuff to be, um, I don't even know that I want to call it realistic because it's still a video game. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I like it to have more strategy than just being a straight-up run-and-gun game. Yeah,
0: it's, just not, it's not just run and spray and pray and hope yeah, you it's, get it's lucky. It's a
1: very strategic game in the way that it's played, uh, which I just have fun with. And then, like I said, even as maps get added with the different objectives, even if we were still playing on the same like eight maps that came out with the game, which there's more than that now. I would um, be
0: totally okay with that, with no new maps it, at all. Because it
1: changes so much, and, and there's so many different ways to approach things as attackers and defenders. Um, it's just got a massive amount of replayability. Rounds are short, so it goes by quick. Like, you never feel like stuff just drags on. That's one Especially if you're I, in I've ranked. I've gotten into with, with other games. is Stuff has just felt like it drags on sometimes.
0: Yeah, and you're just and, waiting for the round to be over. And, yeah, and, and Siege, and Siege never is not feels like that. that
1: way. Not once. If anything, you're begging for more time. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, unless you're on defense. Then yeah. you're okay.
1: As attackers, you're begging for more time a lot of times. You'd be like, man, I wish I just had another 30 seconds or minute. And, and watching the Pro Leagues this weekend, I don't know if you noticed this.
0: Um, Do they always wait to plant the Diffuser until, like, 10 seconds?
1: Well, that, but, like, it's crazy how quickly stuff can happen in that game. Oh, and yeah? It, it happens quickly when we play it, but usually... But with Pro League just,
0: especially. Like, Pro it, League, you have yeah. full two full teams of five, and then in the matter of, like, five seconds, you've dropped to, like, 4v2 or 1v5 or something yeah, like that. Like
1: everything happens at once, and, and there's like there was one round earlier today where they hit thir- there was 30 seconds left in the round and four out of five of the attackers haven't e- hadn't even entered the building yet and then within that 30 seconds they'd won the round like it was just an insane the way it all happens is super quick um, Yeah. which I just it's, fa- it's it fascinates me as a game I just there's never been a game you say it's your favorite multiplayer game it's it's easily my favorite multiplayer game and one of my favorite games just period
0: Oh yeah, it's it's up there for me. I don't know if it's my favorite game of all time, but it's up there.
1: But sure. I've I've never gotten tired of it either. Like we've ta- well, we've, we've played other games,
0: but we always but come back to Siege.
1: We always come back to Siege.
0: And I'll say too, like just so Mark mentioned that they they keep the same mechanics but the game evolves and we've seen that like when we first started the way you would defend a point was you had all five people on defense hole up on the objectives and board the room up and barricade the room up as much as they could and wait for the attackers to get there
1: it was just turtle as hardcore as you possibly could
0: and then slowly we started seeing people start roaming where they would move off point and pick off attackers as they came in
1: try to distract them and waste time to get them because otherwise they were there to flank it when they were attacking the point like the, yeah. the meta of the game has evolved, drastically. and we've seen
0: it. We've seen it go from like you have operators to so now you have entry fraggers and support operators on attack, and you have your anchors and your roamers on defense. And so we've seen we've seen the meta shift. We've seen people pull off like used to you would only move through one level of the map. Now you breach above, open up floors so you can get lines of sight down. Used to attackers would never. I mean, defenders would never open up kill holes or anything like that. Or if they did, they were very small ones. Now you're opening up rotation holes. You're opening up long lines of sight, so you can cover the bombs or whatever the objective Whoa. is from a long distance. And so it is. It's just a game that has continuously it, been changing. Yeah. Well, and it's still with- the
1: same game. It feels like a totally different game sometimes. Every like from when we started playing at the very beginning to what it is
0: now. Oh yeah, and especially as seasons yeah. come out like you get new operators and that totally shakes up the way the game plays. Recently they've been doing these operation health where they introduce semi major game changes to existing operators and that changes up the meta. And so like when you when we first started shields were super overpowered and everybody ran them and then after like year 1 shields were super underpowered and nobody played them and now there's a couple shields that are really good to run and a couple that aren't. And so, just different things have have changed yeah. and and shifted. I will say Jubisoft is not the best at releasing balanced operators like not i always. I can't think of a single a single a single operator that has been released and not needed patching, but that's just expected like and there now, are I think it was
1: pretty balanced from the start now that's you have, fair. you know Blackbeard released with her who is like the most unbalanced operator to ever see the game
0: uh I feel like Frost and Ella are still the two biggest defenders. <laughs> As far Ella's as how they is played, the
1: current offender,
0: um, oh, like Frost's shotgun when she first dropped was just ridiculously. Super like, ninety was
1: nuts. Yeah, you that's could true. cannon
0: shot across the map. Yeah, it, so. was,
1: it was a skill cannon. It was insane. It was it was what the boss G is, except it was better because it was semi-automatic with like six
0: rounds, and it was a spread because it was a shotgun, whereas the boss G is just a slug. Yeah. So it was it was pretty ridiculous, but so you, you've seen stuff like that. We've seen it seen it change. But they always Um, fix it. They they always they are They're they're very great about fixing stuff. I mentioned earlier that I think they've done loot systems as well, so they introduced recently as well something called Alpha Packs. But everything within Siege, with the exception of certain cosmetic items, everything is purchasable by in-game currency that you earn in-game as you play matches. And so you don't have to spend money if you don't want to. The majority of cosmetic items are purchasable with in-game currency, and so the only thing you get from loot crates and stuff are these cosmetic. cosmetic things, the majority of which you could buy yourself if you wanted to. And they've also implemented, like I know Logan Sharp mentioned in the Reform Gamers podcast on loot boxes, which is fantastic, by the way. Go listen to it if you haven't. Um, but he mentioned that he missed the days of feeling like you'd achieve something by getting a cosmetic for doing a certain thing. And they have introduced that with charms now, where if you do certain things... You can unlock certain charms. Um, Usually those are just weekly challenges, so you have a set amount of time to do it. But still, you'll know, oh, hey, this person has this charm. That means they played and won with Glass 20 times during that week. And so you get a little bit of that feel too, which I appreciate. Like there's something to be working for. So I I, I think just seeing the way the game has evolved, seeing the way they've been supporting it, and just seeing how they've done some things very well. It's been very encouraging to me. When you have... Games like Battlefront 2 or... Um, I'm trying to think of another one that was recently pretty big deal. There was that racing game I can't think of the name of now where you had to spend money to unlock cars and stuff. Um, I think it might have been one of the Forza games, but I could be wrong about that, so don't quote me on that.
1: Yeah, maybe The Crew or something like that. I don't know.
0: But anyway, it's encouraging to see a game like this and see how successful it's been when there yeah, are I've, other games out there that do these things so poorly.
1: I've never... As someone who, like, I didn't buy the season pass year one. By the time year two rolled around, I put enough time into the game that I was like, all right, I don't mind investing more money into it because I've gotten my money's worth out of it. And so I picked up the season two pass. I recently picked up this coming year's pass for season three. Um, But even the season that I didn't do that and I had to grind to get the operators and everything. You
0: were still able to get them all.
1: I was able to get them all. I've never felt cheated out of, like, I've never felt like... I wasn't able to obtain something or I've never felt cheated by not being able to get to something. Uh, Like, a good example of the things that are only purchasable are the Elite Skins. They're really cool skins for different operators that are, like, we we call them Shiny Skins. For anyone who was into Pokemon, you had, like, Shinies. They were the rarer (laughs) Pokemon. Like, there's the Shiny Skins that are just really cool and unique skins that are only, you have to buy them with real money. But again, they're just skins. It doesn't change the game. And so... They're cool. I like some of them, but I've never bought one.
0: Luke and, and you're holding some. out. Yeah, I yeah, have several it, it, of them.
1: If if an operator that I play a lot gets one, then sure, I'll buy one.
0: But but again, uh, my theory I've, I've ne- in purchasing those is is yours. Of I'm okay with supporting the devs and everyone who's been pouring time yeah, into this team because they've done sure. such a great job with it.
1: And I've never felt cheated because I couldn't unlock those operator or I couldn't unlock those skins with in-game credits. That doesn't bother me because it's just a skin. Um. And then on top of that, because they've done this stuff, and wow, I'm someone who hates loot boxes and have never been bothered by the way that Rainbow Six does any of it. Um, there's some people that are, and Rainbow Six's response this season is the Elite skin that's coming out is free to everybody that plays. So yeah. every, everyone who plays the game is getting a free Elite skin, which is normally, I think, is it like eight bucks or something like that? Usually? Something like
0: that, six or eight.
1: Um, so even that isn't super expensive from the start, but they're they're giving it away for free to everybody just because people have complained and they are they've proven with Rainbow 6 that they this specific development team at least is a team who is interested in catering to the players. They they're not just out to get money. They want to make something that's going to last. They want to make something that is enjoyable. They want to do something that's going to be fun for the players. And yeah. so
0: and I'll throw that out too for yeah. all the hate that Ubisoft gets with with siege and then I'll even go as far as to say with for honor I think ubisoft has proven that when they create a multiplayer game that that is in this format of a you know pvp style primarily they care enough to keep that game alive that they listen to the community they try to implement changes now so far that's worked a lot better for them with siege than it has with for honor but i've i've been <laughs> one who's who's still hopped into for honor from time to time and have seen they've they've been listening they've been trying to make fixes like someone talks about oh hey they just spammed this attack and i couldn't get out of it in for honor and ubisoft fixed it and so they're they listen they do try to make a good game and um, they obviously don't take every single thing into consideration. Like if you ever want a good laugh, just go read the rainbow six tweets. Like they're fantastic, but they they've done really well of responding to their fan base and going, okay, how can we improve this game for you and how oh, can man, we make and this they better em- they and then then acting the, on it?
1: Yeah. They embrace the memes that the community creates within their game.
0: Oh yeah. And it's, yeah.
1: Oh, it's so much fun. Like they, they do so well. Like, so this, this project, big tournament the six invitational that they just had this weekend where they announced all the stuff for the new season and everything they also did but so they've had all these serious pro league matches happening so these super competitive teams playing and it's very intense but they did a all-stars match this morning which was a bunch of players who were on teams that were already eliminated it was just kind of a mishmash so none of them are normally teammates they got together and they did a east-west, so east was European and Asia-Pacific teams, and then west was Latin America and North American teams. And they had all these players put together and just play a match together, and so they were all just having fun. And, and like,
0: they just kept running meme strats.
1: Oh my goodness. The first, the very first round, somebody busted out to Chanka, who is the most useless operator in the game. And what everybody calls him, him, Lord Chanka. He's Lord Chanka, and he's so l- Lowercase useless. l, so we're okay yeah he's (laughs) so useless and this crazy weird like this russian defender that just he has a giant turret turret that does nothing for the most part and he got played like four times in this this all-stars match just because everyone was goofing around
0: they all circled up and did a knife fight oh yeah Um, it was
1: so it's just yeah it it was a blast to watch and it was hilarious
0: um and that's that is one thing I will say that I am sad about with Rainbow Six Siege. Like occurrences like that used to be pretty common early on in the game. Like the community was really awesome. And as it's gained popularity, the community has definitely tanked. And so it is a game that's best enjoyed with friends. Um, yeah. Um there's still some extent. cool people out there. Yeah. It's it's still one of the better communities. I will give it that. For it sure. is still For one sure. of the better communities out there. But it's definitely not near what it was. Like when it first started, everyone was super chill. Like I remember you and I, because when we first started, we were in the upper tiers of players and we used to actually yeah. play with lower level pros and like they would be friendly and give us tips and pointers. Oh and, yeah. And and so it was just it was a ton of fun. And it's it's definitely not there anymore. But it's still a good community overall.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a blast to play and especially when you have friends like so when we started it was just you and me playing. And yep. we played a ton, um, but for a game that has five man squads, there was just the two of us and then random people. And like Luke said, and those first, really for the whole first year, um, it was it wasn't that big of a deal because the people that you would end up playing with or meeting were you had a lot of people who were willing to talk in end game chat and were very friendly and worked together. Like it was, it was a very good community as the game has grown, because that's the other thing, is this is a multiplayer game that has only gotten bigger. It's It doesn't drop. So, like, I know a few months ago they announced that they'd hit 20 million players online, and just today they were talking through how it's grown, and they're at 27 million players now. So it just continues to grow and grow and become a bigger game. And so, obviously, like Luke said, naturally with that, you end up with more toxic people in the community and people that are rude or mean or uh vulgar or what whatever they may be um but as it's grown we've gotten more friends that have started playing it and yeah
0: we're up to like if we wanted to we could do a custom 5v5 yeah there's times there's times
1: where we just run private matches because so many of us are on to play that we have more than five so it's more than just running a full squad and we end up playing custom matches just together, which I always have a blast with. Custom matches are one of the f- most fun things in oh, a yeah. game like that to me.
0: And there are people who started making mini-games with the custom matches. So, yeah, there's yeah. just there, there's a lot of really, really good stuff about this game, guys. Um, I don't think we can oversell. Like, there are some games I feel like people oversell. I don't know that we can oversell Siege. Um, Jesse Knop, I'm looking at you. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and and Jesse because there are I know your biggest complaint... the biggest Is complaint lack of content. Is lack, well, lack of single-player um, and, which they would
0: see as a lack of content
1: yeah, and so there is no single player that said, they announced this weekend, a, it's only an event so it's only lasting for a month, but for a month it's going to be a three man co-op that is very story driven, like just and, and
0: at looks it, ridiculously fun and challenging
1: yeah. yeah, and it's diving into more like, they talked a lot this weekend about wanting to flesh out the universe more and give they want to give more personality to the operators they want to give, like, I know I've seen that some of the voice actors for different characters have been coming in and doing a whole bunch of new um, recording and stuff like that just because they want to give more character to
0: everybody. Well, and, and we've seen that personality too. personality to them. As the game has grown, like when it started out, you had operators. Yeah. And they had a cool little intro video and like a one-paragraph bio. And as the game has gone on, you've gotten birth dates and background stories. Yeah, and the
1: bios are massive. There's connections between the operators like...
0: And those connections have effects in-game, which is a lot of fun. Like, there's an attacker and a an defender who are actually sisters, and so yeah. their gadgets have less effect on each other because they're sisters. There's another attacker and defender who've worked together, and so their gadgets have less effect on each other. And so there's, there's all sorts of, of cool things that they've used within the universe, and I'm excited to see them grow that.
1: Yeah, very much so. It's It's been a really unique thing, and it's been a really fun game to watch grow and, and be a part of and kind of, like, just as it's changed, the way that we play it has changed and all of those different things. Um, it's a blast. It's it's an absolute blast as a game.
0: It really is. So yeah. so yeah, and if you hear this podcast and decide to pick it up on PC, make sure you hit Mark and I up and we will definitely be down to teach you the ropes. Yeah, we
1: love playing with new people.
0: Um, yeah, like and Siege is a game too where, uh, I'll, I'll throw out that one last warning, Siege is a game with a... a low but high skill cap, like, when you first start playing, you're going to suck, you're going to die a lot, and you're going to hate the game.
1: It's considered, considered to like, as a whole, especially on a more competitive level, it's considered to have one of the largest learning curves, like, it is a very hard game to really get the mechanics down.
0: Yeah, once you pick up on it, you'll have no problem being decent at it. it, it's another decent learning curve to get good at it. But you'll have no problem being decent, but you do yeah. have to put some time in. So don't get discouraged by that if you do pick up the game. Um, it is free. Well, by the time this podcast is out, it will not be free no, anymore, be so free you'll have anymore. missed it. But And that's the other thing, too. Like If you're curious about it, just keep an eye out for free weekends because those happen pretty frequently. So yeah,
1: they, they do them very often. They do free weekends, and when they do the free weekends, the game is almost always on sale. So if you get into it and start playing it, it's like, oh, I really enjoy this. Pick it up while it's on sale.
0: Yep. So there you go. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Fantastic game. Pick it up. Play with us. Um, we appreciate you guys. Appreciate your feedback. If you like us, make sure you drop us a rate on iTunes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at Error204Podcast. That's actually our group so we can interact with you there. Follow us on Twitter at Error204Podcast. Send us an email at Error204Podcast.gmail.com. At we love hearing from you guys. Love your feedback. Again, if you like the show, make sure you share it with your friends. Get the word out there. We... Look forward to this every week. Always have a blast recording. Always have a blast hearing from you guys. And we'll hopefully be doing it for at least two more weeks. So, I don't know. You think we can make it that far, Mark?
1: Make what? I wouldn't listen to you. You weren't even
0: listening. You jerk. <laughs> I said hopefully we can keep the podcast going for at least two more weeks.
1: Oh. I might be pushing it. Maybe one week.
0: Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how <laughs> bad we get chased after here. Um. Anyway. Love you guys. We'll catch you all next week.
1: Bye. Bye.